Welcome to California Highways Route by Route. This podcast explores everything about numbered highways in California, from Route 1 along the coast to US 395 along the Sierras, from Route 8 in the south to Route 139 in the north. Brought to you by the California Highways webpage and Gribble Nation. I'm Daniel Fagan. I do the California Highways webpage at www.cahighways.org. I'm Tom Fear. I'm one of four administrators on GribbleNation.org. If you read anything about the Southwest, usually that is me writing about it. This is episode 2.02, Route 1, Los Angeles County. In our last episode, we started our exploration of the California highways route by route with Route 1. We discussed the first federal road between Cumberland, Maryland, and the Ohio River, which is now US 40 the exploration of what is Route 1 in several other states, the first state highway, the Lake Tahoe Wagon Road, which is now US 50. We had this wrong in the first episode, and we didn't notice it until we started talking tonight. Uh, We said US 40 and now I-80. It is, in fact, US 50. The first legislative route, Legislative Route 1, which is now US 101 from San Francisco to Crescent City, signed Route 1, now Route 1 between north of Govita, north to US 101 near Fortuna. We saw that the 1964 renumbering lengthened Route 1 with the addition of former San Route 3, which was mostly more well-known as U.S. Route 101A, from San Juan Capistrano to Ventura. We then discussed the history of Route 1 in Orange County, the history of various cities, the planning for freeway routings, names used for the highway, and plans and projects along the way. Last season, as a reminder, our discussions built upon the background we built in the first season of the podcast, where we discuss the history of the highway system, which serves to explain the eras of the state highways and what we mean when we talk about things like legislative route numbers, the numbering approach to state highways, which explains how the route numbers were chosen and why, the names of the state highways and why they were chosen, the organizations involved in the state highway system. If you want to catch up on any past episode, we encourage you to go to our Spotify for podcasters page, which can be found at our anchor.fm forward slash CA route by route page or our forever home on CA route by route.org and listen to the backlog of episodes. In this episode, we're going to continue our exploration of route one, as always going in post mile order from south to north. Our focus today is on Route 1 in Los Angeles County, and as always, we'll discover some of the interesting history along the route, some proposals for freeways, some stories behind the names on the route, and some interesting projects proposed for the route, the current one. As a reminder, this season's going to have 10 episodes on Route 1 and two on Route 2, and the next episode will cover Route 1 in Ventura and Santa Barbara County. So, When we're talking about Route 1 in Southern California, this is what used to be Sign Route 3. Sign Route 3 was defined as US 101 at Serra, which is south of San Juan Capistrano, to US 101 at El Rio, which is a tiny community that used to exist between Oxnard and Ventura via Santa Monica. It was signed on Legislative Route 60, and in July 1935, which isn't long after the sign routes were created, it was re-signed as US 101A which was approved in 1937, effective January 1938. 1964, it was added to Route 1 as part of Segment A of Route 1, 
Route 5 south to San Juan Capistrano to Route 101 near El Rio. And this episode focuses on the portion of today's Route 1 in Los Angeles County from Long Beach to Malibu. As a reminder about legislative Route 60, future Route 1 in Los Angeles County was first defined as part of the 1919 Third State Highway Bond Act. It's running from San Juan Capistrano to Oxnard. In 1925, it was extended by an act that authorized Division of Highways to acquire necessary rights of way to construct and maintain a highway, which shall constitute and be a state highway and to take over existing public highway along the route herein after de- designated as part of said state highway from the town of Oxnard to be selected by the State Highway Commission at or near the town of El Rio, Ventura County, upon the state highway extending from Los Angeles to Ventura. Which is a long the- way of saying from Oxnard to El Rio. Yeah, it's a very descriptive way of saying something very simple. Uh, this was designated as a primary state highway in 1933. On uh, 1935, it was codified in the legislative code as Legislative Route 2 near El Rio via Oxnard to Route 2 south of San Juan Capistrano. In 1957, the via Oxnard part of that legislative definition was deleted. So we need to digress a bit for this episode, especially about legislative routes in cities, because much of Route 1 in L.A. County is within city boundaries. And much of Route 1 in other areas would be what would have been called back then interurban, connections between cities. And prior to the 1933-1935 timeline, the state didn't construct highways within cities. In fact, it wasn't even focusing heavily on signing them within cities. The pre-1933 construction was interurban or rural construction. And this is why when we looked at Orange County, the route stayed relatively static. That was interurban between small coastal cities. It's unknown if the state claimed the urban routings were part of the broad legislative definition of the route. The state sign route started in 1933, and thus urban state signage was state-defined, unlike the early U.S. highways and cities. So think about this as you listen to our discussions on historical legislative route 60 and U.S. 101A Route 1 routings. You'll see an emphasis on state construction in interurban and rural areas, such as across Malibu. You'll see a lot of ambiguity in the early and even later legislative routings within cities, such as within Santa Monica, Hermosa Beach, and even Long Beach. And you'll see bursts of road construction in harder areas occurring after the state gets authority to build in cities. And this would be across areas such as Port Bologna, which is now Marina del Rey, El Segundo, and the oil fields in Redondo. Do you want to add anything on the legislative routes in cities? So this has been kind of a hard era to define, I think, for a lot of people that have researched highways in California, particularly the early U.S. routes. Um, uh, like When we get to Route 2, we'll start hitting on this quite a bit as related to U.S. 66 west of downtown Los Angeles. But really, it was fully up to the cities where they wanted to sign highways within their boundaries. It was not up to the divisional highways, and really they only ever intervened if it somehow violated what ASHO had defined as what the control points were for a U.S. route. Was that also true for the state routes, that the state sort of didn't care where they were signing the state route within the city as long as it fit their general definition of the legislative route? I have observed that. Uh, there's not as many examples as that, of that, just given in 1933, the state could maintain in cities. But like, I know if like Route 21, like that was very 
much defined by like Martin City of Martinez, and they decided where it would go and how it got to the Benicia Martinez Ferry. So there definitely was not a lot of interference from what I can tell. Like they really, the Division of Highways didn't care, and so did the California Highway Commission, so long as it fit, fit the definition of what the sign route was. As a reminder about post-1964 Route 1, today's Route 1 has multiple segments, with the first being Route 5 south of San Juan Capistrano to Route 101 near El Rio, except for portions of Route 1 which were relinquished, one within the city limits of Data Point between the western edge of San Juan Creek Bridge to the East Line Road at the city limits of the city of Laguna Beach, two within the city limits of the city of Newport Beach between Jamboree Road and Newport Coast Drive, three within the city limits of Santa Monica between the southern city limits and Route 10, four within the city limits of the city of Oxner between Pleasant Valley Road and Route 101. Authorization is present to relinquish in Los Angeles uh, between Route 105 and the Santa Monica southern city limits. But this definition has a bunch of problems because over the years, they've broken it. In 2001, there was relinquishment in Dana Point and Newport Beach. In 2008, they authorized relinquishment in Torrance. In 2008, they also authorized relinquishment in Dana Point and Oxnard. But the bill omitted the mention of Torrance and Newport Beach. And since that was the later bill passed, that's what became the law. In 2009, they authorized relinquishment in Santa Monica. In 2009, a different bill reauthorized the relinquishment in Newport Beach. You'll notice we've lost Torrance now. In 2010, this was rewritten to mention the relinquishments in Dana Point, Newport Beach, and to authorize relinquishments in Oxnard, but it omitted mention of the relinquishments in Santa Monica and Torrance. So in 2013, they added back in the relinquishment in Santa Monica, still no Torrance. And in 2015, they authorized the relinquishments in Los Angeles between Route 105 and the southern city limits of Santa Monica, which is effectively the southern portion of Route 1 in Los Angeles. And that is the latest definition, but it still omits the authorization to relinquish in Torrance. And in fact, Torrance has never been relinquished, although I seem to recall they offered some money to the city of Torrance to take the road, and I'm not sure whether Torrance ever took the money. Now, the highway in Southern California opened in 1926 as the Roosevelt Highway. It was named after Teddy Roosevelt, who died in 1919 when the planning began. It was the first direct link between Newport Beach and Laguna Beach and between Ventura and Santa Monica, and it was renamed Pacific Coast Highway in 1941. And we'll see that a number of cities along the route in Los Angeles County have renamed it officially as Pacific Coast Highway from whatever little names the roads had. Some historical routings. The alignment in Los Angeles County runs through Long Beach, Wilmington, Lomita, beach cities such as Torrance, Redondo Beach, Hermosa Beach, Manhattan Beach, and El Segundo. The LAX, Westchester, Reina del Rey, and Venice areas. Santa Monica, Pacific Palisades, and then Malibu. It runs just to the north of San Pedro and the communities on the Palos Verdes Peninsula. We're going to explore a few of those communities in more detail. So we start at the southern edge of L.A. County with Long Beach. And at the edge of Long Beach, Route 240, which is now part of I-605, would have continued south from Route 22 to meet Route 1 in Seal Beach as a new freeway. That route would have bisected the naval of the base, was a problem. That freeway was never built. Tom, you have a whole blog on that freeway, as I recall. Is there anything you want to add? Actually, I don't. I haven't done that I one. thought you did. 
No. Um, you did a paper. Uh, you did a paper highways on uh, Route 240. Uh, did I? Yeah, you did. Oh, this is see. This is what we were talking about before we even started. Sometimes I can't even remember what I wrote about. <laughs> no, I can cut that out if you don't remember anything about. I, I think that adds some flavor to it. I think no, that, I mean, that, might, I, that might add some. That might add some personality to like we're not identical okay. memory robots. Okay, well, go look at Tom's blog then. All right, Long Beach. During 1934, Los Alamitos traffic circle was opened in the city uh, along Legislative Route 60. It was the point where Route 1, Sign Route 3, and U.S. Route 101A, Sign Route 19, Sign Route 18, and later U.S. 91 came together. So Los Alamitos traffic circle really had a lot going on, and it was a really well-known structure, even and it remains so today. Uh, but it was many, one of many built during the 1930s, and it is not the first. Uh, U.S. 91 and Sign Route 18 continued along U.S. 101A from that point to meet U.S. Route 6. Uh, the Los Alamitos traffic circle originally had only what is now the inner circle, the inner circle transition, the implied connection of Route 3 slash LRN 60 from Halfway Avenue to State Street. Both were renamed in 1944 to Pacific Coast Highway. Legislative Route 168 joined the traffic circle by Bennett Avenue, which is now Lakewood Boulevard. In 1942, the traffic circle was expanded and widened, with the original plan being to have six highways enter. However, only three were constructed. The expansion added an outer ring, which had been built by the city of Long Beach and Los Angeles County. There was a, also a planned Los Alamitos Diagonal from North Way to about Palo Verde and Anaheim to mirror Los Coyotes di Diagonal, with the two diagonals intersecting at about Spring and Woodruff, with another traffic circle which never was constructed, does not exist. In 1993, Caltrans reconfigured Los Alamitos traffic circle to modern roundabout conventions. Route 19 was relinquished in the city of Long Beach, despite it still being signed, uh, by an assembly bill. 2132, Chapter 877 in 1998. Do you want to explain what the difference between a traffic circle and a roundabout is? So a traffic circle is basically free-flowing. Uh, pretty much everyone just enters it kind of like at full speed, and there's not like a lot of lane delineations. So you kind of see more famous examples of this like in Europe, with especially like around Paris. So that's more of like what the real intention of a traffic circle was. It wasn't meant to be kind of like akin to what we would see with modern roundabouts. Garces traffic circle in Bakersfield is very much still like that. Uh, Belmont traffic circle in Fresno, which both, both of these were US 99, they're more or less the original configuration. They don't get the same traffic volume they once did, but that's more of the original intention. Whereas a roundabout? Well... A lot of lane control. Uh, so like modern roundabouts, especially with Caltrans, they're signed with multiple lanes usually. Uh, they're very clear where the departure points are, uh, where traffic's supposed to go. There's a lot of signage directing traffic onto specific routings and where to cross over. So it's a lot more of hand-holding of the traffic. This was one of the earlier traffic circle roundabouts, and you're now seeing a trend within California and certainly in a lot of other states of building more and more roundabouts. They slow the traffic, which is now intentional to make things safer, and they eliminate the need for actual stop signs and idling and lights, which both increase accidents and actually slow the flow of traffic. Yes, you'll slow down in a traffic circle, but it has much less impact than having to wait for five minutes at a light or come to a complete stop at a stop sign. 
Yeah. And even some major highways, this is being incorporated. Like I know the one that's kind of in my area, that's a lot of discussion is about about it, uh, is 156 and 25. The purpose is to have a very wide roundabout. It is supposed to mitigate really, which is a huge choke point with the traffic light at that intersection. Continuing on with Long Beach in 1944, Hathaway Avenue, east of the traffic circle, and State Street, west of the traffic circle, were renamed to Pacific Coast Highway. Other routings include Wilmington Redondo Road, which is now Newton Street. U.S. 6 ended in Long Beach, where U.S. 6 and U.S. 101A, now Route 1, met U.S. 91 and U.S. Route 101A at Atlantic Boulevard, along with Sign Route 15, which is now interstate or future interstate 710 anything you want to add on that or i'm really going to like it when we get to us6 and the planning behind that because that could have got a lot more crazy than having it in some random spot in long beach that's a very interesting topic so now we're going to move to lomita and wilmington and we'll touch on that wilmington redondo road wilmington is part of what's called the la shoestring annex and the shoestring annex is interesting because Los Angeles wanted to be a port city, but it had no port. And there was a big competition going on between the city of Santa Monica, which had a port and was being promoted by William Clark, the city of Long Beach, which had a port. And I think it was a separate city at the time, the city of San Pedro, which had Henry Huntington having built a railroad down there. And of course, Huntington wanted that to become a major port. And so the city of Los Angeles has a very narrow annex and a very narrow part of the city that pretty much goes straight down along, it's roughly along what is now the Harbor Freeway, down to San Pedro and Wilmington, just so that they could get a port and have contiguous city to the port. And that's called the Shoestring Inn. Pacific Coast Highway in this area was previously known as Wilmington and Redondo Road. And we'll talk about the routing of that in a minute because what was Wilmington and Redondo Mo Road moved slightly. US 6, as we noted, entered Route 1, US 101A at Atlantic. One interesting thing in this area is the Terminal Island Freeway, which is officially now Route 103. It ends at Route 1, and it was actually built by, I don't want to say the US government or the city of Long Beach, and didn't actually become a state route for a long time, but it extends a bit north of Route 1 to Willow. And there's an interesting history we'll cover there with Route 103. But what's useful to note at this point is there were once plans to extend this freeway to the Long Beach Freeway. That never happened. The definition officially starts at Route 1, but the route also includes portions south of Route 1, those having been added in 1982 to the 1965 definition, and that the portion north of Route 1 is one of those that is being considered for relinquishment. It's been relinquished to the city of Long Beach, and they plan actually to turn it into a park and a parkway. So a little bit of interesting history there. Also, the PCH segment in Wilmington is home of the first Derwiner Schnitzel, one of the first interesting pieces of information I found researching this. So now we cover the beach cities, and we talked about Wilmington Redondo Road, and Wilmington Redondo Road is interesting. It ran along well, this road in 1930. It had a jog north at Hawthorne and then continued along this road to Palos Verdes, through, through Los Palos Verdes. The original routing was slightly south of the current route, seemingly, if you look at the maps, along Newton Street. But I'm not sure whether there are any vestiges of what was the big highway along then. 
And by 1940, this has moved to a slightly north alignment, connected without the jog along Cawthorn, and was renamed Coast Highway and PCH by 1950. This is also the route that goes along the edge of the Torrance Airport, if you're familiar with that. Route 60, or LRN 60, then ran to Esplanade and Pacific, where it met at Avenue I, where it then went north along Camino Real and Sepulveda. And sometime between 1934 and 1935, Elena was constructed and took over the LRN 60 routing. And if you look at a map, this sort of explains why Catalina branches off of PCH as it does. That was the pre-Elena routing that took you to the coast route over to Avenue I. Elena and a portion of Camino Real became PCH sometime between 56 and 59. Now that takes us up to about where Torrance Boulevard is. And it's important to note that Camino Real and Sepulveda, south of Torrance, were never part of Route 1. Route 1 went that different route. If you follow the Sepulveda name, okay, it continued south and then east to become Willow and Long Beach. But originally, there were some maps that showed the Sepulveda name continuing to Torrance and then becoming PCH, but I think those are confused. Sepulveda, as the name, continues north of Torrance of the highway, and that was then renamed pretty recently, like around 2017, to PCH, to try and get rid of that confusion, okay? So now then, we're up to Torrance Boulevard. Sepulveda had a discontinuity then between the oil fields in El Segundo before 1930. 1931, 1930 maps show it as under construction between Rosecrans and El Segundo. That was completed by 1939. So now we have, if we've been following the route so far, we're now up to the edge of the LA International Airport. You have anything to add on this segment? It's a pretty confusing segment and took a batch of research. It's kind of in line with the whole 1930s era. What I found in a lot of research for a lot of highways, you had a lot of discontinued segments where like there was probably an interim sign route in between like what the state had actually constructed. I recently wrote a blog on the original Route 14, which had a very similar gap in it for a very long time. I noticed with Olympic, which was the second iteration of sign Route 26, is the same phenomena where you had a large gap in the highway until it was constructed by the Division of Highways. Well, you also had a large gap in the highway on Olympic because of the studios not allowing construction through the studio land. Olympic goes right through the Fox land, and I wouldn't be surprised if it diverted down to Pico and then back up for a while. Mention of Olympic and Pico takes us to West Los Angeles and LAX and the portion of Route 1 in the West LA area. At LAX, Route 1 becomes Sepulveda Boulevard very briefly and then Lincoln Boulevard and continues as Lincoln Boulevard through Westchester, Port Bologna, I would say Bologna, it should be Bologna, and now Marina del Rey, Culver City, Venice, and Santa Monica. By 1923, Lincoln was constructed south of Santa Monica to Washington, and the Pacific Electric lines along Culver existed. I want to say this was part of some of the balloon routes to the beach that Henry Huntington had done. By 1924, Lincoln ran from Santa Monica to about Washington Boulevard. Sepulveda was called Arizona Avenue in West L.A., and Manchester was called Defiance. There's no indication of the state highway in this area, though, south of Washington. Culver was still the Pacific Electric line to Redondo Beach. And by 1930, there was a road along Culver to Playa del Rey. And I, I know the Playa del Rey area very well. That's where I grew up. By 1930 to 1931, there was perhaps a one to two lane hard surface road from Culver to Washington. This is 
the area that's going across the wetlands. And Lincoln then continued south to meet Arizona at about where the tunnel under the runway is today. And by 1943, this route across the wetlands was four lanes. By 1934, Manchester and Jefferson had assumed those names. And I should note, Jefferson at that time was really low-lying. I remember my grandfather coming to visit us in like 65, 68 and played array and his car getting flooded above the floorboards when Jefferson would flood. So it was, it was a road that was really low lying. The segment between Culver and Washington looked to be two lanes and development of Westchester had just started. Westchester was one of the first planned communities. It was a Fritz Marlowe community and it actually had assembly line construction and was built for returning World War II veterans. The wetlands themselves, however, were mostly oil fields. And the first real major thing that you see in Westchester, by the way, is Loyola University, which is now Loyola Marymount. By 1950, runway extension had resulted in Sepulveda being diverted west of Century to avoid the runway extension, where it met Lincoln, went around the runway extension to meet back at present-day Sepulveda and Imperial. So they had extended the runway and they sort of diverted Sepulveda around it. And this really was not practical. There were plans to extend Century across to Persia, okay? And this is when what the LA airport was, was an interim airport located at Airport Boulevard and Century, where a lot of the little freight handling terminals are. But that's why Airport Boulevard is called Airport Boulevard. By 1951, dredging in the marina began. And by the 1960s, Lincoln had its current configuration, including the um, partial Cloverleaf interchange with Culver, which was likely built as part of the marina construction. That was built I want to say it was a project between the Army Corps of Engineers and the County of Los Angeles to prevent flooding in that area. By 1957, the tunnel was completed. When the tunnel was completed, Lincoln then ended at Century Boulevard. The route turned on to Century briefly, went east to Sepulveda, where it then turned right and State Line Sign Route 7 ended. About this time, the oil fields and the wetlands were playing out and Marina del Rey was dredged into what it is today. By 1964, Lincoln was in its current configuration running along the northern edge of the airport. So they rerouted it north so they could expand the runways as part of the, the airport expansion. And by the mid-1970s, construction of the Route 90 Freeway Expressway had re reached Lincoln. And I'll note that currently there's an effort to try and replace the entire Route 90 Freeway with the linear park and housing. Um, there was just an article in the Argonaut about it. There is a petition protesting the idea. It's going to be pretty controversial. I'm not sure whether it will ever happen. I can see areas where it might be good. I can see areas where it would be a problem. And of course, the residents there don't like it. It's actually an important evacuation route. There are many good routes out of the area other than Jefferson. As for Lincoln and Santa Monica itself, Lincoln Boulevard appears to go back to 1894. It's hard to tell exactly because the alignment of the USGS maps I was looking at before 1924 was off. So it appears to show a route with the path of Lincoln that was closer to Beverly or 6th. Lincoln is actually 7th. However, that would have meant a massive realignment of the Santa Monica Street Grid, which I don't think was likely. There was a discontinuity in Lincoln between Olympic and Colorado, or future Olympic, due to the railroad tracks that were in that area. And by 1920, Lincoln was constructed across the railroad tracks and was probably an at-grade crossing. And the railroad tracks bring us to something interesting. Santa Monica and the tunnel, Route 1, 
Lincoln Boulevard enters the Santa Monica Freeway at Lincoln. That point is the end of Route 2 and I-10. Route 1 goes through the McClure Tunnel. The McClure Tunnel, originally known as the Santa Monica Tunnel, was constructed in 1935 to eliminate the necessity of climbing the Palisades Bluff, um, otherwise known as the California Incline, and to eliminate the crossing the main city streets and crossing of the railway tracks on Ocean Avenue in the city of Santa Monica. Prior to the tunnel, it is unclear whether LRN 60 continued along Ocean to Santa Monica over to Lincoln or along Ocean, which is now Nielsen to Pico, over to Lincoln and down. With the completion of the tunnel through traffic, proceeding south along the highway may go through the bluffs and under the intersection of Colorado Street and Ocean Avenue, under the tracks of the Pacific Electric Railway, and continue south on Lincoln Boulevard towards San Diego. Traffic from the tunnel continued along Olympic, which was the second iteration of Sign Route 26. It appears Sign Route 26, at least by 1950, ran along Lincoln to Pico, then Pico to Ocean, indicating that Ocean may have been LRN 60 at some point. The McClure Tunnel replaced an earlier Southern Pacific Tunnel from 1898, which was later used by the Pacific Electric Railway. And with this, it's worth mentioning another route that's in the area, which was Legislative Route 163, which became Sign Route 187. And the confusion here is due to some poor maps and because of LRN 163. So we digress slightly. In 1933, Chapter 767 defined the following route as part of the state highway system. Continue Roosevelt Highway from the point where it intersects with Santa Monica Canyon Road. And Santa Monica Canyon Road, I think, is like in Trotta in that area. And in Santa Monica to a point where, if so continued, it would intersect with Windward in Venice, Los Angeles, California. Said road is now commonly known and designated as Oceanfront and parallels the Pacific Ocean for a short distance therefrom. In 1935, this became Legislative Route 163 with the routing Legislative Route 60, in other words, Route 1, in Santa Monica at the point where Legislative Route 60 leads the ocean to windward via Venice via road commonly known and designated as Ocean Park. This was rapidly amended to talk about a point southerly of the western extension of Wilshire Boulevard in Santa Monica to Windward Avenue in Venice, via the promenade in Santa Monica and Ocean Front Walk in LA. In 1937, this was reworded again to talk about Legislative Route 60 at a point near Colorado Avenue in Santa Monica to connection with Windward Avenue. So you can see everything's being adjusted as they build the McClure Tunnel for this. And this ended up being the Colorado grade separation. And this was a cooperative project between the Public Works Administration and the Division of Highways to relieve traffic overflowing onto US 101A in Santa Monica. And it would later be constructed underneath Colorado Avenue via what is now Momot Ahiko Way and would connect Route 1 to Ocean Avenue. And this is still there. It was completed in 1940. And it's why some of those bridges dealing with the Santa Monica Pier are actually under the authority of Caltrans. So it's, it's an interesting little area. Before there was the tunnel, there was the California Incline. So around 1905, the tracks of the Los Angeles and Independence Railroad ran where PCH is today. In 1905, Santa Monica had plans for three inclines. A footpath departing from Idaho Avenue would meet a vehicular roadway departing from California Avenue halfway down the bluff. The two would continue to the beach as one, multimodal route spanning over the 1,700-foot distance. 
Linda Vista Walk from Idaho Avenue is now called the Idaho Trail, and Linda Vista Drive from California Avenue is now known as the California Incline. The third incline was built for pedestrians at the foot of Oregon Avenue, which is now Santa Monica Boulevard, originally referred to as the Oregon Trail. It became known as the Sunset Trail in 1916, which thankfully that didn't make it to the 80s. In 1932, the WPA funded widening a project that increased the California incline from 20 to 40 feet wide. Beach Road was also widened to extend Roosevelt Highway through Santa Monica. The incline was rebuilt in 2015. So you see sometimes some classic photos of this. It's this kind of a neat piece of old road. It's kind of built to modern standards now, but it, it's very neat. And it's the only way that you could really get down the bluff. And uh, it's a fun drive, I'll say that. Short, but fun. And now we come to perhaps one of my favorite stories about Route 1, which is the Battle of Malibu and May Ringe. Beginning in 1907, May Ringe, who was the inheritor of Rancho Malibu, fought a long string of court battles against the city of Santa Monica and Venice, the county of Los Angeles, and the state of California to maintain her private property and to block access to, among other things, a county road, which later became a state highway. And for those interested in this, I'd like to recommend a book called The King and Queen of Malibu by David Randall. I'll include a link to it in the show notes. It's all about the Battle of Malibu and May Ringe. So the first county road from Santa Monica going north went to the gates of the Ringe Estate. That was built in 1910. But then the county tried to build a road or build a path, but it had to do it below the uh, tideline. So you could only access it at certain hours to go along the coast because May Ringe closed the entire Rancho Malibu. And Rancho Malibu ran from Topanga Canyon Boulevard all the way to the Ventura County line to uh, anyone. She, she had to have permission from her to go across there, okay? Her land company, the Marblehead Land Company, also owned some other land. They owned the parcel at Yerba Buena Road and um, Pacific Coast Highway, what it was, Roosevelt Highway back then. I know that because the summer camp I went to is located on that parcel now, and it used to have a wonderful map during Roosevelt Highway. By 1911, surveying had begun for the Coastline State Highway, a road designed to stretch along the shore from Oregon to San Diego. And by 1913, the first public automobile path was built across the Ringe family property. Undaunted by the progress of modern society, she built her own car path parallel to the state road, which she despised and destroyed with dynamite. By 1916, the County Board of Supervisors declared eminent domain along Malibu, and the court battles began. And they were complex. They imbued with intense hostility, with Ringe sabotaging the public efforts to lay roads. She would threaten surveyors with gunpoint when they came up to the fences. There were armed guards on horseback that would shoot people. She would dig up roads and replace them with alfalfa and pigs. Okay. She went so far as to build her own railroad so that Southern Pacific could not build a railroad across the Malibu because there was a provision in the law saying that if a railroad already existed, you couldn't use domain to build another railroad. Never mind the fact that her railroad never went anywhere or was used. It just prevented the other road. Ultimately, the battle went to the Supreme Court, which made a landmark eminent domain decision in 1923. Ringe Co. versus L.A. County that allowed the county and later the state to build the highway across Rancho Malibu. And it basically bankrupted May Ringe. Ringe later went on to form Malibu Pottery, 
If you've ever heard of the famous Malibu Tiles, that was her company. She built a fancy home that she never completed that became Sarah Retreat in Malibu. And her daughter, Rhoda Adamson, later married a dairy farmer and went on to found Ador Farms, which is Rhoda spelled backwards, over in Tarzana. And later it moved to Calabasas. Really, really interesting story that I think truly influenced the state highway in the area. By 1925, Ringe hadn't conceded. She was still in court. She appealed every decision made by the court on any level. In 1925, she refused to accept a check for about $98,000 to $99,000, which would have been $1.15 million in today's dollars as county payment for a strip of land 80 feet wide and 19 miles long that they ordered condemned for a state highway. But she lost. In 1929, the Roosevelt Highway opened between Santa Monica and Oxnard, 22 years after the first court action. More than 1,000 cars showed up for the ribbon-cutting ceremony, eager to be the first ones to drive north on the fresh roads. For all her troubles, her fortune was sucked dry. She was left with only $8,000. She was forced to sell or lease off her land to pay off her debts. That's what led to the Malibu movie colony. And then the stock market crash occurred. There was a Great Depression. And all of her assets basically crumbled to nothing. She was bankrupt by 1935 and died in 1941 penniless. I think she had $750 to her name when she died. In 1947, California rerouted Route 1 in the Malibu area. This eliminated the last remaining original 20-foot pavement along Route 1 between Ventura and Dana Point. This was constructed in three units. The first was a line change around a slide at Litigo Canyon. The second relocated the highway around a slide slip out between Coral Creek and Malibu Creek. And the third was between Litigo and Coral Creek. This new roadway was an 80-foot wide divided highway with two lanes in each direction on a higher elevation, a bit further away from the coast. There is still a stretch of the original two-lane Roosevelt Highway in front of the Malibu Lagoon Museum. And the Broad Beach Road is also original highway. And that museum has loads of information on the May Ridge story. I still want to get over there one day. I always thought for the longest time that the Ridge Battle of Malibu was why Decker Canyon exists. It turns out that's not the case. And it looks like Yerba Buena Road, which is right near the Ventura County line, it's the first road that goes into the mountains north of the Ventura County line, appears to have been a more major road. But I've even got a map from the 40s that says of Yerba Buena Road, don't take this road, take Decker Canyon. It's better. <laughs> Which, if you know Decker Canyon, if you've driven Decker Canyon, you know that saying quite a bit. Um, but I know that the junction with Yerba Buena Road was original ranch land. There were some houses there that dated back to the ranch era that were unfortunately destroyed. I, I think there was a ranch house that went back to the ranch era and the Lazy H Ranch era that survived through the Wilshire Boulevard Temple camps, but was destroyed in the Woolsey Fire. And with that, I'm going to turn this to Tom to talk about some of the plans for freeways that there were along the coast in L.A. County. So there were numerous freeway plans for the Pacific Coast Freeway in Los Angeles County. 1966 maps show a freeway in Long Beach that was to follow the western section of Route 22, which is East 7th Street, east to present Route Interstate 405, Interstate 605, and Route 22, the whole interchange complex there. 
going west, it would run south of the current PCH, often closer, closer to Anaheim Street, rejoining Anaheim west of Gaffey. The route would have demolished a number of old stock houses and commercial structures by passing through an arguably historical district immediately north of downtown Long Beach, which is more or less along 10th Street. By 1975, Caltrans had acquired about half of the required right-of-way west as far as the western limits of the adoption section at Western Avenue. And Harbor City construction was slated to start in late 1978 or early 1979, was to proceed east to west. The city of Long Beach sections since even within its advanced planning stations was the subject of localized protests against development, stood at and became well-publicized as a poster child for the program of eliminating as much unbuilt freeway, urban freeway mileage as possible. In the Palo Verdes area, the Pacific Coast Freeway would connect it Hawthorne Freeway, which was Route 107. Uh, the plan was to veer the proposed Route 1 northward west of Vermont Street and more closely towards as a parallel to PCH. This was likely due to a combination of topography, finances, and desire to avoid oppositions and complaints from folk with the outside's capability to make their case heard, such as Rancho PD in the Lomita area. One of the principal obstacles to the east-west Route 1 freeway was the presence of Torrance Airport along Crenshaw Boulevard. It, along with Hawthorne and Santa Monica Airports, was one of the main bases for corporate jets and or used by the local airspace industry. The proposed Route 1 freeway routing skirted along the southern end of the airport just north of PCH. This freeway likely would have been sited below grade along the stretch, so any interchanges with the intersecting streets would not rise significantly above ground level. You, you look at these proposals for the freeway in the portion south of the airport, and it's just crazy, and it gets crazier as we go further north. Do you want to add anything that you know about these observations? This is kind of like the whole where we're kind of stretching pretty thin, like late 1950s or early 1970s era division of highways kind of transitioning in the Caltrans with some of these urban freeways. Like they were kind of some really weird and kind of, I think, in the modern lens would be kind of like shockingly horrible designs for urban urban infrastructure. But it gets worse. <laughs> Tom's laughing. It does get worse. In Santa Monica and Malibu, there were plans to construct an offshore causeway as a freeway. So it would have gone, I don't know, half a mile from the coast, maybe, 4,000 feet in a mile. Okay. In 1961, the Army Corps of Engineers was engaged by the Division of Highways to study the feasibility of this. And it concluded that, yeah, it's feasible to construct this. And it would enhance the recreation potential of the area. If you think about it, it would probably would have turned it into a lot like Marina del Rey, um, sort of, I don't want to say mitigating, dampening the wave action to make it more almost like Mother's Beach. The maintenance of sand bypassing operations and congestion with the plans were considered feasible, but it was not expected that building any of the considered projects would be insurmountable problems to the construction industry, just like the Division of Highways. I think the Army Corps of Engineers in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s often thought they could do a lot more than they could. They had very ambitious plans. You'll see this very much if you ever read another one of my favorite books, which is called Cadillac Desert, and that's all about water reclamation in the West. 
And they just had all these plans for reclaiming things and building dams and building all of this stuff. This was a really ambitious idea. It would have been located 4,000 feet from the shore. It would have been 30,000 feet long. It would have run parallel to the coastline from the Santa Monica Beach all the way north to Malibu. In the middle of this, they would have built an artificial archipelago that would stretch a 200-wide freeway called the Sunset Seaway. Not only would this new highway alleviate the pressure on the coastal road, but would provide an additional 2.5 million square feet of public beach facing the ocean. This would accommodate up to 50,000 people on peak days, according to the Seaway Enterprises document. In addition to the new land, the area of water between the natural shoreline and the artificial causeway would become a series of marinas accommodating up to 1,700 small craft. So what killed this? The lessons learned from Marina del Rey, the tidal forces would require regular and costly dredging for silt, the opposition from the residents, the reality of the construction costs, the reality of the legal and legislative headaches requiring watertight interagency agreements just to get into the planning phase, the reality of the environmental efforts taking 97 million cubic yards of landfill from the nearby Santa Monica Mountains and piling it into the ocean to create a six-mile landmass on which create a highway. And the reality of LA Councilman Marvin Browdy, who I remember opposing any city contributions to the project. So in September 65, Pat Brown vetoed the Causeway Bill. The Causeway Freeway Commission was disbanded in 1966. Any comments on this so far? We're not done with freeway plans yet. This is not the only one. Uh, that's the amazing thing about this. This, like the Bay Area, had a lot of similar structures for freeways plan too so this is not the only one and that's just absolutely amazing to me that just like this is just so silly and uh i don't dystopian. i don't know the whole history of it was there a was there similar planning done for what was it route 230 or route 87 that would have run along the inside of san francisco bay all the way up from milpitas to candlestick park yes and even route 61 um, and you can see kind of how it worked out with how I-80 was built, because that was basically the same thing. And that's really the only kind of like structure that got built up there. But like, yeah, it's just crazy that like, you know, like all this effort to reclaim all this land was like really, I mean, I don't know how like really close this was going to come to fruition, because I think by then there was so much resistance to this that it like really didn't stand a chance, but just. Some of these plans are just bizarre. But we're not done. In Malibu, the Highway Commission adopted a freeway routing for Route 1 between Malibu Canyon and Point Magoo. This followed the general alignment of existing Route 1 from just west of Malibu Canyon Road to just east of Corral Canyon Road, swinging inland slightly to the Latigo Canyon Road, and continuing westerly approximately three-quarter to one-quarter mile inland from the existing highway, rejoining the latter just west of Trancas Canyon. It then continued along the existing highway to Point Magoo, except for some short stretches near the western limits of the adoption. This plan for construction of a six-lane freeway with room to expand to eight lanes when required at an estimated cost of $41.6 million, including rights-of-way. And this would have almost taken out some of the lower portion of that camp I went to as a kid of Camp S. Kramer at Yerba Buena Road from the maps I saw. By 1967, the Pacific Coast Freeway plan had been deleted from the state's plans. If you recall, in Orange County, it took as long as down to 
like 72, 73 to go away. The concept through Long Beach was deleted about 78 on the, by the CTC on the advice of, you may have heard this name, Adrian Gianturco, who was the head of Caltrans in the mid-1970s. She was responsible for the first diamond lane. And now we turn to some relinquishments of the route. So on September 30th, 2008, Assembly Bill 2326, Chapter 639 authorized the relinquishment of a portion of Route 1 within the city of Torrance. The project to improve for relinquishment was started in 2007. It's still not relinquished. It is unclear if, with the changes in the legislative definition, Torrance no longer, longer wants control of that section of the route. Um, hence the confusion we were talking about earlier in this podcast. On October 11, 2009, uh, Senate Bill... 532, Chapter 189, authorized the relinquishment of the portion to Santa Monica. This was relinquished officially in 2012. On October 7th, 2015, Assembly Bill 810, Chapter 561, authorized the relinquishment of the portion in the city of Los Angeles from Route 105 to Santa Monica. Uh, so this is Lincoln Boulevard in Sepulveda in West Los Angeles. This is not relinquished yet. And I don't think I've even seen any action in the CTC to um, improve the roadway to relinquish. Yeah, that seems to be kind of the caveat is like this stuff doesn't tend to get relinquished until it's improved. There are some projects taking place along the road here. In 2019, they, as we noted, changed the Los Alamitos traffic circle to make it a roundabout. There are going to be some changes to Route 1 near LAX to accommodate airport expansion, in particular reconfiguring airport entrances. And I'm sure there'll be some changes. They're talking about building a Terminal 0 and a Terminal 9, as I recall, and Terminal 9 will be on the other side of Route 1. And we've got the whole changes that are happening due to the LAX people mover work. There'll be some widening over the Bologna wetlands, Bayona. Um, there are two plans, depending on how the environmental works out. One would realign Lincoln and Culver to the east, expanding the Lincoln Boulevard Bridge to have three traffic lanes in each direction instead of two. And, of course, a sidewalk and bicycle lanes, a new Culver Bridge would maintain the existing traffic configuration, but add a sidewalk and bicycle lanes, connect with the Bologna Creek bike path. As we noted, that's an old bridge right there, that intersection. That goes back to when they dredged the marina and they added the park low and the bridge was there before that. The other plan would maintain the existing Lincoln Boulevard alignment by widening the roadway on both sides to accommodate three traffic lanes, sidewalk and bicycle lanes over the bridge, while also widening the Culver Bridge to include bike paths and a sidewalk. Santa Monica also has plans for a gateway segment on the portion that it now controls, which includes things like dedicated bus lanes, curb extensions, ADA compliance side ramps, new crosswalks and improvements, and nearly 50 new trees. It does not include the creation of a formal bike lane, although it allows for bike riders to use up to five feet of the bus lane, and they've got a more expensive phase ultimately planned, including stormwater filtration, infrastructure, and green lighting. In 2018, they were considering this gateway master plan, which would address planning in the area adjacent to the I-10 that links downtown to the Civic Center and to San Monica High School, which if you're not familiar with it, is right where Pico and Lincoln come together. It could also include covering the freeway with decking to create a new space for a park. This really is a common idea these days. And it would include the portion of the freeway that 
although considered I-10 is really Route 1, which is the portion to the west of Lincoln Boulevard. Previous reports on capping the park had explored extending the Mesler Tunnel and covering the freeway from 4th to Ocean. Lastly, there are some plans to rework the intersection of PCH and Las Flores, where there's a double red light intersection, and there are plans to replace the Trancas Creek and Solstice Creek bridges. So now we get into some namings. Los Angeles County names the route in honor of Vietnam veterans. Uh, route 1 between Coyle Streets is approximately post mile 9.454 and the east side of the main entrance to the Tessero Refinery at approximately post mile 8.776. And Wilmington is named the Honorable Jenny, I'm not sure I'm going to get this right. Oral Peza. Thank you. Memorial Overcrossing. She was elected to the Long Beach Unified School District Board of Education, Long Beach City Council, and the State Assembly, and was finally to the California State Senate. Shortly after taking office in 2000, the then-Assembly member became aware of the Alameda Corridor, would open in 2002, and the planned bridges designed to prevent cars from having to wait for trains to pass at street level would be completed, except for the bridge on Route 1. Uh, in the community of Wilmington, the busiest route along the Alameda Corridor. Corridor At the time, Route 1 bisected the Equion Refinery and therefore was the most complicated and expensive bridge to build. Furthermore, there was not enough funding available to complete the bridge on Route 1. Uh, former Assembly Member Oropesa. Thank you. Brought together interested parties, including the California Department of Transportation, the Alameda Corridor Transportation Authority and Metropolitan Transportation Authority and Eclion Refinery, the Union Pacific Railroad, and the City of Los Angeles to solve the problem and was able to help facilitate $107 million in funding from a combination of sources, which included state transportation funds, state Proposition 116, bond funds, federal demonstration funds, Metropolitan Transportation Authority funds, and railroad funds. Former Assemblymember Oropesa was successful in her pursuit to have a long bridge built. This design not only eliminated the train and car conflicts on the Alameda Corridor, but also eliminated the same conflicts on the Alameda Street from San Pedro Branch of the Union Pacific Railroad. So if you guys are kind of railroad fans, most of this is old Southern Pacific Railroad infrastructure. And, and the reason we're mentioning these names is you'll see these names as you go by. You'll have no idea who they are. Well, now you know their significance to the area. And I, I think it's useful information to know. And I get to learn pronunciations. <laughs> now, the McClure Tunnel, which we had mentioned, was named after Robert McClure, who was the editor and publisher of the Santa Monica Evening Outlook, a delegate to the 64 Republican Convention, and a member of the California Highway Commission from 54 to 62, and he's remembered as the father of the Santa Monica Freeway. And this was previously the Olympic Tunnel. One other name of interest, the Los Alamitos Bay Bridge, which is at post mile just across the border, 000.98. And any successor bridge on Route 1 south of Loinus Drive and north of East 2nd Street in Long Beach is named the Joan Linden Van Blom Memorial Bridge. She was the first woman to win an Olympic medal for the United States in rowing, winning a silver medal in the single skulls at the 76 Olympic Games in Montreal and the quadruple skulls at the 84 Olympic Games in Los Angeles and was a member of the team that boycotted 1980 in Moscow. And as I remember from the article where I got some of this information, she actually used to practice her rowing in that day. Hmm. 
and that's why they picked that area. So next time on California Highways Route by Route, we will continue our exploration of Route 1 by looking at the route in Ventura and Santa Barbara County. There are multiple segments, Oxnard and Ventura, the old beach route in Ventura, and the start of really what was the original definition of sign Route 1 in Norfolk Govita. And, and there's some interesting uh, peculiarities there. I, I particularly find the segment over by Vandenberg Space Force Space really interesting. For more information, visit the pages on Route 1, Legislative Route 60, US 101, and Legislative Route 56 over on cahighways.org. Tom, do you want to mention any Gribble Nation blogs you have in this area? So probably Los Alamitos Traffic Circle, that would probably be a really one good one to reference. Uh, the California Highways and Public Works publication, as well as the Ashdo database, have a lot of really good information on that. Uh, I did a blog for Route 187, uh, which relates to the Marclure Tunnel, so kind of that whole area around Santa Monica Pier, which was not the end of US Route 66, but that's a topic for another time. But it relates to Route 1, and I think is pretty applicable to this podcast we're doing today. And there are, of course, some additional links that I have from my research, plus I'll link to the page on Route 1 on AA Roads in the show notes. As always, information on this episode is available on our website, caroutebyroute.org, where you can leave us a comment on this episode. This episode is also available on our anchor.fm home, anchor.fm forward slash caroutebyroute. Join us as we continue to explore California highways route by route. And I like that my voice is way more clear on this podcast than the last one. This episode was written by Daniel Fagan and Tom Fear, edited and produced by Daniel Fagan. Our opening theme is I Like to Be by the Seaside by John H. Kind. If you have an opening theme you think would be better for us and is in the public domain or you're willing to let us use, let us know. Episodes are recorded using freeconferencecall.com. And the podcast is a product of California Highways, cahighways.org, and Gribble Nation at gribblenation.org. And with that, as I usually do, Tom, do you have any additional thoughts on Route 1 in Los Angeles? So much like Orange County, like if you're an old highways fan, especially an old U.S. route fan, this is a segment of highway I'd really recommend you go see. This is kind of like what you're going to find is going to be very common in the typical arterial urban U.S. routes before the 1964 renumbering. You will find that on modern Route 1. It doesn't really match the motif, uh, I think, really kind of overall Route 1, but instead it's more what you would expect of U.S. 101. So I think for a U.S. route fan, a U.S. 101 fan, there's a lot of value. And of course, you have that classic segment, you know, along the Malibu coast, which really does match route one let's let's face it it's a classic segment of the highway there's a lot to see there's a lot to explore a lot of really historic alignments and it, it takes a while given you're going through a big urban area but i found it worth it i finished it i think like around 2011 2012 so if you're into that kind of stuff i'd really recommend it and, and i'll add this is a route that has a special place in my heart i grew up in westchester and played del rey Spending a lot of time along Lincoln Boulevard, along Manchester, which was former Route 42 at the time. I know that area well. And I went to camp in Malibu at PCH and Yerba Buena Road. And so for multiple years, I was riding up the Malibu coast to go to camp through the stretch of Malibu. And so this is a very special route to me, this segment. I I sort of love Route 1. It's a really special route. And with that, we will actually pick up 
next time with the segment that includes the camp I grew up at, starting basically at the Ventura County line near Yerba Buena Road. The only roads that go up into the canyons, go across the canyons between that area. You go from Mulholland Highway and there's not a canyon road till you hit Yerba Buena. So, and that's right where the Ventura County line is, right at Cabrillo Beach. And we'll go all the way up to the edge of Santa Barbara um, County, the northern edge up there, which is, I want to say, um, near Guadalupe and Santa Maria in that area. So it's an interesting stretch there. And we will talk to you next time on California Highways Wrap by Route. Thank you.